0: This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Episode 24, Live in the Vito Ubuntu. Peter and Adam invite Ken Scott to speak about Ubuntu and how he has converted his whole family to the alternative OS lifestyle. Warning to the technically challenged, there is a lot of technobabble in this episode, but the
1: guys have a great time. I can can record two people. Well, I can record myself and then I can record the Skype call on separate channels. And then I've got this pain in the ass of I've got a file that's here all by itself. Then I've got another file over here by itself. Now I've got to pull them both into uh, uh, Adobe Edition, and it'll automatically sync them up. But now I'm dealing with two files, trimming, and everything. You know what? I'm just going to record it. We're just going to record... <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so I got $600 hey, worth of gear behind me that I'm never going to use. I, I to
0: say, that, that's a problem that $30,000 worth of gear will fix, I
1: promise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throw money at the problem, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is, uh, I mean, because I play and sing and everything else, I'll use it. <laughs> but it's it'll get... I don't think I'll ever use that digital recorder unless, for some reason, we decide we're going to be on a beach somewhere to record a podcast.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm not. A, I'm not uh, opposed to that. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, find the
1: tickets. <laughs> <laughs> then, then let's go. So, <laughs> all right. So I'll do the. I guess I'll do the uh, informal intro. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got some headlines I wanted to follow up on uh, our conversation about Pokemon last week. Did, <laughs> Ken, have you gotten into Pokemon? Uh, um, no, and and I, it, that's one of those
0: things that I, I should not get involved in that because <laughs> that'll only lead to bad things. Yeah.
1: What about Rachel? Has she gotten it?
0: Uh, believe it or not, no. Her her and her group of friends, they really haven't caught on to that, and I, I don't know why.
1: Mm-hmm. I I would think that'd be, I I see it being right up your alley, uh, but then I kind of figured it'd be hers, but maybe it's probably best that she doesn't encounter that. (laughs) (laughs) I think her schedule uh, doesn't afford too
0: much uh, downtime is the problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Are you recording, Peter?
2: I am. I have been uh, since I joined you, but let me just start a new one here because that seems to serve us well stop big red button
1: yeah yeah we kind of we kind of have we have a running joke of uh stopping the recording and uh i've more than once hit the hang up button on skype rather than stopping the recording (laughs) (laughs) well like i said uh fix it in the post yeah (laughs) big red button so all right so Good afternoon, morning, evening. Welcome to Blurring the Lines podcast. Today, Peter and I have a guest. We've invited Ken Scott to join us here for this episode. Ken is a long-term colleague and friend and IT advocate of mine. Uh, Ken, we want to say, we we always call him, you know, Jotmon. He's the epitome of of jack-of-all-trades, master of nothing. Welcome to the podcast (laughs) can well thank you for having me and uh and i i I take that title with a great sense of pride yeah (laughs) he's a he's a true renaissance man he does sing and play guitar it is nashville you know everybody sings and plays and art (laughs) oh i think
0: it's a city ordinance isn't it
1: (laughs) yeah it's required you got to move out if you can't at least carry a tune <laughs> yeah. are you allowed so, to carry those tunes in wheelbarrows or do you have to be able to carry them with your bare hands <laughs> you gotta carry them in a wheelbarrow in bare feet okay, sweet. <laughs> so i can move i to was nose gonna one. make a shoes joke but i thought that was too uh on the nose <laughs> <laughs> so well peter we talked uh on a previous episode about pokemon and and so i i i've uh i've actually found the best way to play pokemon okay. um, and that is with my youngest daughter and a kid from church that i pick up before church i give them my phone and say capture pokemon and hit way stops all the way to church <laughs> 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 you know, it's funny
2: because, um, I have a couple of friends and, um, he, the, uh, their, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, and he is a big gamer, like weekly game nights and all kinds of games, board games, card games, computer games, whatnot. So it was no surprise that he plays Pokemon go. And, um, so his uh, girlfriend told me the other day you know she was like, I'm not really into it but you know if you want to go for a walk with us you guys can play Pokemon go while I just walk around this was like a week ago and then she said, well I figured I may as well at least learn the basics of the game because you know if will's driving and uh, you know there's a rare Pokemon nearby I don't want to get into an accident so I can catch it for him <laughs> A week later later she's like, Level twenty or something oh, my. in the game right now, <laughs> and just just of a comparison, you know, I play it every now and then. I, I fire it up maybe once a day for a few minutes or whatnot. But I'm I've been doing it since the week it came out, and I'm level nine. <laughs> so yeah, so she's giving me pointers on how to incubate eggs and catch
1: things and stuff. So yeah, it's
2: it's uh, it's it's entertaining. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah. So Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so well cool. So we know that. And then so today we're Ken is our uh actually our first guest speaker. Yes. And uh so it's we're all downhill from here. All downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh one of the things uh, Peter well Ken Peter is also into Ubuntu. Uh he did a podcast, uh what was it Ubuntu podcast for a it was while? The-
2: the fresh Ubuntu podcast, and what? not not just an Ubuntu podcast, we were the number one rated Ubuntu podcast in iTunes for some wow. time.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so so he's also a, I mean, he, he he's more than aware of, uh, of Ubuntu, so Ken kind of got, I guess it was right before I left Avondale, he started uh, off on the road of uh, Ubuntu and it, it never got back on the road, so we call it the alternative os living <laughs> <laughs>
2: he went off-road
1: and stayed off road. Yeah. <laughs> awesome so so ken what we've got you here today is like you'd get you to tell us some of the things that you've encountered as you know and all you know we want to encourage other people to use ubuntu if they can uh mm-hmm. you know it's not perfect for the business world in all cases uh so there's obstacles and you figured out some of the ways to make these things work
2: you know, oh, we should yeah. probably take a quick step back though and just tell our listener what ubuntu is
1: okay what is Ubuntu? they mean
2: they may not know because because our unlike unlike the previous podcast that i was a co-host on this is not like a uh, tech centric all the time so uh, who wants to take the uh, explanation there well, I, I think that
0: the the guy that came from the number one Ubuntu podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to step all over our first guest in the history of the Blurring the Lines podcast, though. So I wanted no, to no, no, no. open it to you, you. You go ahead, and I'll I'll share my experiences after you give the uh, the fifty thousand foot view.
2: Excellent. Okay, so Ubuntu is a f- distribution or a flavor or a variant of. A computer operating system called Linux, and this is similar to Windows or Macintosh OS. Or if you're maybe an old-time business person, maybe you had some uh, Unix or VMS experience. So essentially, it's it's um, the the thing one step up from the hardware. So if you, when you buy your computer, if you boot it up and it says Windows, like 90 plus percent of the world, that's your operating system. If you have a Macintosh, you're almost certainly running Mac OS or the Apple, you know, the Apple operating systems. Um, Ubuntu is a type of Linux. There are many different distributions or flavors of Linux, and Ubuntu is one of the most popular. I don't know. uh, There's always a matter of debate as to how they calculate numbers or whatnot. Um, Definitely has been the most popular in many uh, metrics for some time. I don't know where it currently stands. But uh, it is a rather user-friendly, widely supported, both for personal use and business use, Uh, Linux distribution. Uh, It has pretty decent hardware support and pretty decent software support compared to other operating systems. And um, it uh, was for a long time, my Linux flavor of choice. And just yesterday, as it happens, completely coincidental, not like I was trying to get ready for this podcast or anything. uh, I was experimenting with installing it on an Intel compute stick that I purchased last year <laughs> so there you go yeah. ken tell us more about ubuntu <laughs> well, in, um, correct me if i was wrong
0: i think you hit all the the right notes as far as uh popularity is concerned while you were talking i just happened to pull up distrowatch.com they keep mm-hmm. a ranking as far as popularity which there's some uh you know there's some uh, question as to how accurate that is because i think yep. they go off of but in their rankings uh mint which is a uh a flavor that is built off the ubuntu base is number one uh debian which is what ubuntu is based on is number mm-hmm. two and then ubuntu is three okay. what i'm looking in their rankings they're they're actually ranking these separate flavors of ubuntu so you have
2: Kubuntu, for all
0: the different uh, desktop ubuntu. environments meaning right. the the user interface yep. uh they're including those as separate flavors of Ubuntu. So mm-hmm. I suspect if you took in all of the flavors of Ubuntu, it would probably be number one. Right. Um, but uh, it's 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 my go-to. Yeah. Now, would you mention? I, I
2: was specifically thinking of DistroWatch, and if I recall, don't they? Is their
0: metric based on number of reported downloads?
2: Um, that, you know, or I, I forget the,
0: the the ranking I'm looking at right now says page hit ranking. Um, uh, so it's like, I'm you're, assuming, you're I'm assuming they mean the people that are looking it up on distro watch. Yeah.
2: And again, so that's, it's, it's sort of like distro watch is a website that, that we in the Linux community kind of use to uh, rank popularity, but it's really
0: kind of, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I, I think it's, I think it's because there's not another way to, to measure the metric That's yeah. what they go on.
2: Yeah. It's um, sort of like a survey, a really, really, really loose informal survey with a, I don't know, 50% or so margin of error.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, I'd, I'd say that's a safe estimate. Give or take. <laughs> um, but, but uh, I, to my knowledge, I don't think uh, Canonical, which is the parent company that creates Ubuntu um, releases their usage stats. At least I haven't seen any official stats that they've released. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, uh, yeah, I use Ubuntu at home. It's also my main machine at my office, and then, oh, I would say about twenty-five percent of the servers that I that I have set up at work are also Ubuntu. Um, I use them, the the server version. I used to use um, the CentOS uh, for mm-hmm. my servers. I found that that's just after a while that becomes a pain. To to try to manage and keep updated (laughs) using the the long-term support versions of Ubuntu is a much better scenario for the way I like to manage my servers.
2: I was gonna try to keep from geeking out on this, but I, it's, it's just gonna happen. So I'm I'm sorry, let we'll Just Listen give a weird. geek I'm,
1: warning. Yeah, I'm really
2: sorry. We should blow the foghorn right now, where we're gonna get into jargon. But but but, uh, Ken, so are you telling me you're not a huge fan of manual dependency resolution in RPM
0: packages? Uh, that would be the exact uh, reason why CentOS has been uh, relegated to. Uh, to only those that my vendors require that I use. For (laughs) instance, our our whole environment is a, is a VMware environment. So all of our servers are virtual. Mm -hmm. The only CentOS server I have, uh, now in our environment is the, uh, for lack of a better term, it's called a hit kit. It's basically what is the interface between our VMware servers and our San. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if that, it, the only reason I've allowed that to remain is because, for the most part, it's uh, it's fairly self-contained and doesn't require a whole lot of management. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
0: but th- the actual servers that I have to interact with, CentOS is gone; Ubuntu's taking its place.
2: So, in case we still have uh, any of our non-technical listeners listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just going to go out on a on a on a limb here and try to help you out. And first off, kudos. I mean, you're doing great. Um, CentOS is another Linux distribution. It's another variant. So uh, it's kind of competing. Uh, well, it's no, not kind of. It's very much in competition with Ubuntu. Uh, one of the biggest differentiators between that and Ubuntu is the package manager or the built-in way you install software. Um, if you run windows or Macintosh now, and, or if you have an Android phone or an uh, iPhone, then you're probably familiar with the concept of an app store, which is a way to install software online. And it's really easy. You know, you just go to this software thing. You look up stuff. If it's free, you just download it. If it's commercial, you pay a small or large fee and then boom, magically software shows up. This was a brand new concept that Apple and windows introduced, um, I don't know, like 10 or 20 years after uh, Linux had it. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but it's essentially a way to uh, to manage, you know, downloading and installing software. And uh, the joke that we're having is that the one, for a lot of people, the one that ships with CentOS and um, its uh, parent operating systems, um, it can be really labor-intensive, getting the stupid thing to work. You, you try to install, like, package X, and it requires package Y, and for whatever reason, package Y won't install, so you can't install package X, and you have to beat your head against your desk for about a day and a half, and then you finally get package Y to install, but that broke package Z in the process, (laughs) so um, we just don't seem to have that problem nearly as much with the package manager that comes with Ubuntu and Debian and their, their, uh, their derivatives, so...
0: Yes, yeah, CentOS would be one of the reasons why someone who is a tech person decides to be a non-tech person. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I can't deal with this anymore.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go be a psych major or something, you know, whatever. <laughs> exactly. uh, but um, as far as day-to-day usage, what most people use their computer for, um, I, I, I use Ubuntu. And for my purposes... I haven't run into too many things that I said I just could not do. Now, with that said, uh, before we all got connected for this call, uh, Adam and I were discussing something. I'm actually using the latest alpha of Skype for Linux Mm. on my Ubuntu system during this call. Um, So if everything blows up, we can blame it on Skype. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But uh, it seems to be working fine. But that that is the kind of thing you run into when using an alternative OS is that the things that other people take for granted, like, Oh, just install Skype. We'll, we'll make a call mm-hmm. suddenly becomes a leap of faith sometimes in Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and not just Ubuntu, much but, better,
2: but all Linux is too. Right. I mean, absolutely. Um,
0: yeah. with Ubuntu, it's gotten, it's gotten much better. And, and part of the reason is because there's been such a move to, Web and cloud technologies. Yep. Um, once all of the stuff that you run is no longer running natively on your machine and is running on some server in a in a, a data center somewhere, and you just have a an interface to it, mm-hmm. what what is hosting that interface is less and less important. Yep. Yep. So that, that's helped out a lot. But I'm a software developer, so I have a lot going on on my machine and i have found for me this works better now one of the things that adam really wanted me to kind of discuss is the fact that there was a time you know being an it guy you are the family it guy as well that's (laughs) my wife my daughter my parents you know cousins uncles whatever and i had i had converted everybody in my immediate household to some flavor of ubuntu um In the last couple of years, I've actually converted everybody else over to Chrome OS on a Chromebook Mm -hmm. Um, because of what I said earlier, so many things had moved to web technologies that it didn't make much sense for them to have a full-blown OS.
2: Right, Um, and Chrome OS is yet another Linux variant put out by Google. Um,
0: But much easier, I think, for the average... Yeah, uh, user to consume. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I, I would say most people that use Chrome OS have no idea that it is an actual Linux variant. Right,
2: it's a web browser. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they don't know any different. Um, yeah. And in fact, my, my daughter has jumped. She's a, a junior in high school, and she has jumped in wholeheartedly. I I don't think I could get her to convert back off of a Chromebook. Yeah, um, her whole life lives in the in the Google uh, environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of uh, she has a she has a Google Apps account through her school. Uh, almost all of her homework assignments she she does them online in Google Apps and submits them to her teachers. That kind of thing. So uh, to her, it feels natural. That's the way the, that it's supposed to work. Um, and initially, there was a you know there was a, a problem because without an internet connection, Chrome OS is kind of useless. But she's grown up in a world where. What do you mean? You don't have an internet
1: connection? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know,
0: that's like electricity. You flip a light switch, the lights come on. You know, you turn on your laptop, you have internet. <laughs> um, so for her, that's that's just the way the life is. Yep. But um, Ubuntu, I haven't I haven't found in its modern incarnation. Um, I'm currently running the long term support fourteen oh four version. There is mm-hmm. a new long term support version that's sixteen oh four for yep. the non techies. The version numbers for Ubuntu go by the year and month they were released. So, 14.04 was released in April of 2014. 16.04 is April of... And they typically do two releases a year. One in April, one in October. Um, So, uh, I've been running some form of Ubuntu since 6, version 6, and running it full-time since version 9.04. So, it, it to me it fits what i what i do i don't run into the problems that i have run into on windows mm-hmm. um, i do have a windows box i have a, a small form factor pc here that uh, i use as a last resort so if i i run virtualbox which is a a uh, a virtual machine for uh, your pc that can run an os inside of another os and i have windows installed in it so if there's anything I have to have Windows for, I usually go to that. But there are some things, you know, if I need hardware interaction that a virtual machine won't be appropriate for, I'll use that other machine. But it's strictly a, you know, I, I log into it maybe once a month, maybe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, uh, yeah, I I can't see me ever converting back off of Ubuntu. But, you know, you can't. You can't say never, but <laughs>
2: so so. Tell me the, the types of problems that people have. Then, like, why would somebody, in your opinion, and you know, again, I'm obviously I'm preaching to the choir, or you're preaching to the choir, because I used to tell people on a weekly basis why they would want to do this. But tell some of our listeners on this podcast who probably haven't heard my previous podcast. Why would you want to look at things? I mean, I I went downtown. I bought this new computer. It has
0: Windows on it. Why would I want to change it? Well, like I said, for the average person, people like my wife for instance, that you know she gets online, she fires up a browser, she does most of her stuff online. The operating system is probably the last thing you think about as far as your computer mm-hmm. um, But a, a, a better example is my mother who's pushing 70 years old. Mm-hmm. She is a absolute what I would consider power user, in that her computer is hooked up to three different printers it's connected to her sewing machine it's connected to um, uh, uh, all kinds of uh, little pieces of hardware that she's dependent upon to do things she, she runs the vacation bible school uh, for her church and she has things that she uses for that um, all of those things any kind of hardware connection sometimes can be a problem running an alternative OS, because mm-hmm. the manufacturer may not make drivers to make their hardware work with right. with Ubuntu Yep, or with and, Linux.
2: I, and I went through that exact same thing. My father, who uh, is now over 70, um, I had him on a Linux, uh, I think it was Ubuntu for a while, uh, system. And uh, everything was great, except he wanted a scanner and I, for the life of me, I just couldn't get the scanner that he had working, and uh, it was just easier for me to slap a copy of Windows on that box than it was to, you know, go out and buy him a new scanner because he really liked the scanner that he had. So that was a, a deal-breaker in, in that instance. But how is hardware support, though? Is it is it getting better
1: these days? Oh, it's it's,
0: you- it's gotten gotten much better. And, in fact, what's really gotten better, in my opinion, is native support from the hardware manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a time when just connecting to a printer could be uh, an exercise in futility in in any flavor of Linux. Mm -hmm. Um, I have two printers here. I have a Samsung laser printer, and then I have a Brother uh, bubble jet printer. They're both uh, multifunction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both Samsung and Brother have a full uh Ubuntu driver suite that support all the functions of the of the printers, including the, you know, you're running low on toner notifications, that kind of stuff. Um used to you might get the printer to work. You might be able to send a print job to it, but the scanner wouldn't work and you know, you couldn't get notifications on the on the consumables and you know it wouldn't work over wireless, so it had to be hard. And we're back. Yeah, so um
2: Skype just vanished crap. <laughs> <laughs> that Windows box. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, my my Ubuntu running the alpha of Skype seems to be working just fine. <laughs> it's
2: yeah. than my Windows uh, my, than my Surface running Windows 10 Anniversary Edition which just came out the uh, week that we're uh, recording this. <laughs> so so let's uh, this is timely. Right because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one of the questions I was gonna say is like, all right, well, if there are these hardware issues with Ubuntu and stuff isn't always gonna work, why would you want to run it?
0: Uh, well, my number one reason for switching when I did switch was I was just absolutely fed up with Windows and why now, were you fed up with Windows <laughs> well, um I had been in a Windows environment since, um, well, going back to 1993, coming out of college, took my first job. Uh, they were a a a deck VMS shop that converted to a Windows client server environment, mm-hmm. and I was part of that conversion. Uh, in fact, that was early enough that we actually ran the beta of the first version of Microsoft Exchange, their their mail server. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we did that, that was tip of the spear technology. It was, you know, that was the first real, uh, we rolled out Windows three one one for work groups. And then when Windows 95 came out, we upgraded, updated to that. We were running the, init, we ran uh, Windows NT351. That's their, that's their server platform that was mm-hmm. brand new at the time. And uh, so we were, tip of the spear so from 1993 forward i was a a a windows guy both on my personal machines work machines everything else by the time that windows xp came out the problem with malware and updates crashing and uh constant just weird stuff and you know error messages that didn't have anything to do with what was actually the problem and you know constantly every time you did anything oh well now you've got to reboot um <laughs> all of those things were driving me nuts now to microsoft's credit i think i think they did a step forward with windows 7 um mm-hmm. at my office we are still windows 7 across the board on our desktops mm-hmm. um and we have very little problems out of windows 7
2: Oh, don't worry. They've taken two steps back with Windows 8 and Windows 10. Right. Oh, (laughs) absolutely.
0: I wouldn't install Windows 8 or 8.1 if you paid me to. Um, (laughs) I will say that the the machine I mentioned earlier that I have sitting on my desk, that is a Windows machine, I upgraded that from Windows 7 to Windows 10. Um, And then I have a laptop that I use at the office that is running the bleeding edge... um, channel for Windows 10, which means I've been running what is now the anniversary update. I've been running that code base now for a month I think. Right. So it's called the Insider Previews, right? Correct.
2: Yeah, I was on that as well and that was um, that was pretty hellacious.
0: <laughs> yeah, well and to be completely honest that laptop I have at work, I, I have that installed strictly to see what will blow up. It's mm-hmm. not my main machine. I told you I, I run Ubuntu as my main machine. Right. That machine is a, I want to see what's coming down the pike so that sure. I can be prepared. Yeah, but you want to be the, ahead of these... time. You want to know what's going to break because you're Absolutely. a software developer. Sure, Absolutely. The The Windows 10 machine I have here at the house is just running the standard Windows 10, and I don't have any issues with that. Now, right. again, it's not my main machine. I don't have it hooked up to a million different pieces of hardware i don't run a lot of software on it it just sits over there and it's quiet and it does its thing Mm -hmm. um so i think probably for the average user windows 10 is not necessarily a bad thing i -hmm. don't know that i'd say it's better than windows 7 Mm -hmm. um but it's way better than windows 8 or 8.1 yep
2: just a quick aside while you've you know, since you've mentioned it. I've been running 10. Um, I purchased, uh, at the end of the year, I purchased a, a Microsoft Surface Pro 4 for myself and the Surface Book for um, Sam who's my, uh, my, my right-hand man uh, at my consultancy. Uh, so we've both been running that since uh, just the end of the year. And we found overall 10 is kind of okay, but oddly enough, On the Surface devices, it's terrible.
0: So on the Microsoft (laughs) hardware, the Microsoft OS is terrible. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, I've been running it. I don't think
2: Sam runs it anywhere else other than his Surface book, but I've been running it on a Hewlett-Packard desktop at my office uh, for around the same time, because I had Windows 8.1, and I upgraded it to 10, and then I got the Surface, and it's... I can't tell you how much more stable it is on the HP desktop than it is on the Surface and I had all sorts of display issues and driver problems not unlike the oddball hardware problems that I used to have when I ran uh Linux as my main desktop <laughs> which was hilarious because you know these are Microsoft like I bought the Surface Pro uh, or the Surface dock which is a little docking station it gives you additional ports gives you additional display ports USB ports Ethernet ports, et cetera. Um, And due to software problems, it would not properly recognize multiple external displays. And I explained this to Microsoft Tech Support and repeatedly, and they said, oh, well, we've determined that the problem, it is a hardware problem. We will send you a new Surface dock. And I said, I really... Okay, fine. So I didn't argue. I figured it's not a hardware problem, but eventually they'll fix this problem, and I'll have another dock. So I started running the insider builds, and sure enough, the display issue ran, you know, went away. But I had. All kinds of other issues. <laughs> so, luckily, knock on wood, most of those issues appear to have gone away with the, you know, the anniversary edition, which, back in the day, we would have referred to as a service pack. But, you know, that's that's what we're on right now. So, um, but yeah, you know, Windows 10 far, far from perfect. So, anyway, sorry, you didn't want to. Yeah, well, and
0: for, and I think I think probably a lot of the problems you're seeing is. Microsoft's um, what is the word I'm looking for their attempt to dig themselves out of the windows eight hole. Yep. And they had to, I think a lot of things got pushed to production code that might not maybe have been perfectly ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to give them credit for running away from that dumpster fire that the windows eight code base was. <laughs> Well, you
2: know, every every couple of uh, every every few years, they need to come out with another Windows Vista
0: type oh, yeah, one Absolutely, of
1: <laughs>
0: absolutely. Well, and and the tying that back into the Ubuntu thing, a lot of people when Ubuntu went away from their traditional interface to what is referred to as Unity now, mm-hmm. they they lost a lot of customer. I was one uh, of them. Yeah, uh, and, and I can see. I, n- I personally never had a problem with the new unity interface mm-hmm. um, simply because I, to me it's just another menu system. Yeah, it took a little getting used to, but you know I'm not so tied into first of all, I'm not one of those that likes to overly customize my Linux desktop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, an OS to me is just the platform on which I run my applications. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it lets me do what I need to do, that's all I care about. Um, and I think a lot of people in the Linux world, be it Ubuntu users or another flavor, um, tend to be, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Steadfast in their opinions of how the operating system should work. Fanatical? Fanatical. (laughs) Well, that, yes, I would say that's a, that's a apropos word. Um, and I and I don't think they're any different than a Microsoft fanboy or an Apple fanboy, mm-hmm. um, but they are way more vocal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the 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 Linux flavor that I mentioned earlier that DistroWatch has is number one. Mint. Mm-hmm. Mint was kind of born out of Ubuntu deciding to change their interface. Yep. So Mint essentially took the ubuntu code base put the old interface on it and that's why i think they are number one yep. uh, and that old interface is more it's kind of a uh, to me it's it's kind of a mixture of the old traditional windows interface and the os 10 interface mm-hmm. um, and i think that's what people are comfortable with so
2: um, what you're talking about now you know customizing your desktop i if, again, if if we still have a non-technical person listening, I mean, d- dude, you're awesome, or lady. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I can't can't tell you how much uh, respect I have for you for sticking through this. But um, if. Oh, if they're say- still on board,
0: they're probably asleep at this point. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's <what> I'm saying.
2: <laughs> but but what do you, when you say customizing the interface or customizing the desktop? What does that mean to you? I mean, like, are you talking well, about like moving the uh, recycle bin from the upper left-hand corner to the bottom right, or yeah, changing most- the desktop background, or what?
0: Well. Uh, uh- more than that, because Windows will let you move your Start bar around. You can move it to different monitors. You can put it on the left hand side of the screen, the right hand, the bottom, that kind of thing. Most and
2: and do and this
0: by accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And OS <laughs> OS Ten uh, will let you do some of that to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the way Windows looks or the way OS Ten looks is fixed. You don't get to change how it functions. Um, you can change maybe the, the, the window colors or things like that. In Linux, because the, the operating interface is completely separate from the actual operating system, and I won't go into the technical details how that works, you can change just about every single thing you want to about how it functions. For instance, you know in Windows, traditionally, the close a window button is the X button in the top right-hand corner. Mm-hmm. it's always in the top right hand corner and it will always probably be there in <laughs> Linux, I can have that be uh, top right hand corner top left corner I can have it be a floating window above the main window I can have it be in the on the bottom I can make the whole window be have no border have a inch wide border with colors, animations all kinds of stuff so you can make your operating system look, completely different than every other operating system on the face of the planet. Um, And because you have to be kind of geeky to start down this road to begin with, getting into that is a whole sub genre of geekiness. Um, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not there Um, to me. All that is, is just, you know, lipstick on a pig you know (laughs) it it really doesn't add anything or take anything away to me what the operating system does is just provide me a a way to do what i need to do Mm -hmm. um so and i have found that people that like to do that kind of thing tend to be the more um i don't want to say artsy because that has kind of a negative connotation but more creative types um that that appearances are just as important as functionality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a I'm an application developer. Um, I, you know, I'm more concerned with does the thing work than does it look pretty when it does work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah. two people that are still listening to us, they probably hear it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're still with us, that's great. Yes. Y'all can mark this as the episode that sends the, the
1: listenership right down the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> so you can, you can blame it on me if you, if you want to. Oh, no, uh, no. We'll, we'll just have a geek alert in the uh, in the notes, so they won't... They'll be like, ah, can, no way. Yeah. It's going to go from blurring the lines to blurring your vision with... Uh... <laughs> I like that. That's
2: good. Blurring the vision. That's awesome.
1: Well, let me ask you a question about Mint... And Ubuntu so Uh, so mint is living on top of Ubuntu and if my concern with not not well I like the way mint looks it's got a nice feel I really like the feel of it but I always stuck with Ubuntu because uh, you know it was the source I mean it was the source of mint so it's like the updates here (laughs) when they come out they're going to be more friendly does Mint break more than Ubuntu because it's built on top of Ubuntu?
0: Well, without getting too inside baseball, I need to give some history here. Mm-hmm. One of the oldest versions of Linux, one of those flavors that that Peter referred to earlier, is Debian, D-E-B-I-A-N. Mm-hmm. Debian is what Ubuntu is based on. Um, mm-hmm. Debian is responsible, the, the, the conversation that Peter explained earlier about Uh, software manager the package manager the package manager that that ubuntu uses is debian's package manager um and and debian's developers are largely responsible for that method of of software management and in my opinion in the linux world it is the best version of software management now ubuntu has come out with a new thing called snaps that are basically um it's kind of it's kind of similar to virtual machines, but it's virtualized applications. To where your, your your application and the environment it runs in is wholly self-supported and doesn't depend on other outside external packages. So you can you can download a snap and it has everything you need to run it and doesn't rely or interfere with anything else running on your system. So that's probably the the Next best iteration of software management in in Linux. But for right now, the Debian package manager is, in my opinion, the top uh, way to manage software. So Ubuntu basically took the Debian platform mm-hmm. and tweaked it to make it more user friendly. Um, they did stuff like uh, stuff that people take for granted nowadays, but they added, uh, the ability to support DVDs, to support MP3s, to support um, uh, various video formats, uh, PDFs, all those kind of things that the average user takes for granted. But that Linux prior to that did not support natively out of the box. And you had to step through quite a few hoops to get to the point where it was comparable yep. to what Windows could do or OS 10 could do. Right. Meant initially took that one step further. They did the thing where, okay, nobody, a lot of people don't like the Unity interface that Ubuntu went to. So we're going to use the old interface um, and put that together. And then we're going to take that whole, make it easier for the user one step further. Every derivation you go away from the original source, you run the risk of something designed for the for the previous version won't work on this version. So things that are designed for Ubuntu may not work on Debian and things that are designed for Mint may not work on Ubuntu and vice versa across the board on
2: that. Yep. And I remember it was, it was a a telling point for me, a couple of, about two years ago when we, uh, ran into a, a server management utility that supported, uh, you know, CentOS or Red Hat or Ubuntu, but did not support Debian. And that was the first time I had come across that. And I was like, wait, what? What do you mean you don't support Debian? You, you, how, how can you?
1: <laughs>
2: you came from Debian. It should run. And of course, I tried to run it. And sure enough, it did not work. And I
0: was very dismayed. Well, and because, because those, like Peter mentioned, the software that you install has dependencies there it has other things that it expects to be on the system in order to do what it does um and when ubuntu was created they added things they changed things that were mm-hmm. slightly different from debian and then mint did the same thing to ubuntu mm-hmm. um the those changes can break software packages that are designed for one of the other flavors yep um the biggest thing that I think Ubuntu did coming from Debian is they standardized a release schedule more than yep. anything else. Yep. Um, Debian is notorious for, you know, we had a, re- a version we released in 93, a version we released in 98, one we released in 2005, and one we released in 2014. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if in between there, you know, seven years, for instance, in the in the tech world, it might as well be an eon. Yeah. Uh, and so people that are stuck on older versions of Debian, yes, it's stable mm-hmm. and you, it'll probably sit there and run for the rest of eternity, yep. but all those new pieces of software you want to run are not going to run on that. Ubuntu right. changed that in that they release every six months, give or take, they release a new version and every two years they release a long-term support version that is supported for, I think their current support rate is five years. Yep. Um, and Mint initially was rolling with every single version of Ubuntu. They have changed their release schedule where they only release and only base their version on the Ubuntu long-term support versions. That makes sense. Yeah, if you download the latest version of Mint, which I think just recently came out, um, I don't remember, but it's fairly recently. That version is based on the 16.04 long-term release, which was released in April of this year of Ubuntu. Mm -hmm. Um, The previous version of Mint was based on the 14.04 version of Ubuntu, which obviously was released in April of 2014. Um, I initially, when I installed Ubuntu, I would update with every single update. Um, That got a little crazy for me. Every six months is a little too quick for me to update my main production operating systems. Mm -hmm. So once I got caught up to a long-term support version, I only update on long-term support. And in fact, I'm still running 14.04. I haven't upgraded to 16.04 Mm because my rule of thumb is, I will not upgrade to 16.04 until 16.10 comes out.
2: <laughs> right. So. so so, if, if you know, like an average person, to put this into perspective, it would sort of like be saying uh, in January you were running Windows 2000, and then in June you're going to Windows XP, and then six months later you're going to Windows 7, and then six months later we're going to take you up to Windows 8, and then six months later we're going to take you up to Windows 10. Correct. And if you've, if you've done any of those, it – probably wasn't a, you know, I mean, maybe it was a seamless process, but doing all of those upgrades all at once or, you know, in such rapid
0: succession, you know, every six months, that that, that could be a little bit daunting. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. and it's it's probably less of an issue for, again, the average user that's just turning on their machine and doing the same thing we all do, you know, email and surf the web and that kind of thing. It would probably be less of an issue for them. But if you have any type of workflow that you do with your computer every single day, anything that might interrupt that workflow is going to be uh, daunting. Mm-hmm.
1: So so, let's, so who would we, let's kind of circle around and say, who do we think that would be the ideal person to engage on Ubuntu? So I think it's two extremes. I think it
0: is the the guys like us that do IT for a living and that, uh, you know, we are our own technical support and we know how to uh, jump the hurdles that need to be jumped. The other extreme, the people that, like my wife, who just opens up her laptop, fires up a browser, and then proceeds to hit, you know, Pinterest and Amazon and Netflix and all the things that she does. Mm-hmm. Those are the two extremes I think are perfect. It's the people like my mom, for instance, that I uh, spoke of earlier that fall in between there. She's not just a surf the web type of user, but she's certainly not a technical user. But she does have a workflow that she needs to be functional all the time, every time. Mm -hmm. Those might be the people that would be tough to target. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that are going to have specialized hardware or they're gonna have that one software piece of software that only runs on Windows seven or Bingo. you know, those kind type of things. Um, if you have somebody that is traditionally a Windows user and they have a library of software they use that is Windows only, mm-hmm. it's gonna to be tough for them to convert. Yep. Nowadays there are analogs for just about every single piece of software on Windows right. on on uh, Ubuntu or other flavors of Linux. Yep. You know, if you need to use a word processor, you can use a word processor on, and you can use a word processor that mimics Word. Um, if you need to use Excel, there's a there's a analog for Excel. If you need to use, you know, all the major web browsers run on all of them, so that's not an issue. Um, but if you have... I don't know say uh, 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 the, the the hardware and the software that plugs into my mom's she's got one of those fancy sewing machines that does embroidery and all that kind of stuff. that software that runs her sewing machine is strictly Windows only. there is no analog for that in the in the Linux world. Um, now, in my experience, sometimes I can install Windows in a virtual machine uh, for our for our OS 10 users, it's uh, Parallels or um, There's virtual VirtualBox for that too. Right. Well, and VirtualBox okay. is what I use. Yep. Um, but uh, most people are more familiar with uh, Parallels. What is the one that VMware? That, well, VMware Fusion. Right. I'm. But the Apple specific one that Parallels is dual boot. There is another one that no, runs. No, Parallels. Parallels is what you are thinking. camp Bo- okay. is the dual boot. Okay. Bootcamp uh, is the dual boot thing. Parallels was yeah. So Parallels is probably more familiar to our OS 10. VirtualBox is what I use on the Ubuntu side. It's kind of like Parallels, where you have Windows installed inside another operating system. Some of those applications can be installed that way, but you're still having to manage a Windows installation. You're still having to buy the Windows license, all those kind of things. Um, and it's only good for those things that don't have to interact with other things, because if I have a piece of software that's running inside my virtual environment in my virtual windows, it can't directly interface with a piece of software running in the host operating system, whether it be Ubuntu or, or OS 10 or windows. Not easily. No. (laughs) And if it's hardware, it may or may not work. Um, USB has kind of come along in that virtual environment where I can, I can tell the host environment to pass the USB communication onto the virtual machine, but that is hit or miss a lot of times. So it's not perfect. So if you have somebody like that, that middle of the road, not a techie, but not a basic user, those are going to be the ones that are going to be tough to convince or not even convince. They may be perfectly willing to try it and give it a shot, but it's going to interrupt their workflow yeah, they're going to be t- tough to accommodate. Um, right. and And almost all business users fall in that category. right.
2: and that's and that's what I have always found is um, the majority of my clients, the vast majority of my clients have one or two uh, line of business uh, applications that only run on Windows and you know it's generally that's that's been the case it's not always the case anymore there's a lot of stuff that has been ported over to linux or as you mentioned is going to the cloud so you know all the stuff runs in a web browser but, um you know that's that's a thing, like whether it's an accounting package or an electronic medical records program, yep. or you know whatever, something specific to the industry, that's where we find that we're almost always windows only. And it's pretty much the same reason you might ask, you know more people probably have asked than a, than this, is um, why can't I use a Macintosh at work?" It's mm-hmm. probably the same answer almost Absolutely. always. It's, well, we need to run XYZ program. And they're like, well, we can run that under a virtual machine, but the problem there then is you effectively, from your IT managers or your IT staff's point of view, that's another computer that they have to manage. Yep. Because you know all the, the security things, You know, if, if you are on the side of arguing that Macintoshes and Linux are more secure than Windows, well... That machine isn't any more secure because now it's also a Windows computer. So <laughs> you now have all of the vulnerabilities and problems that you have with Windows, and any vulnerabilities and problems that you might have with Macintosh or Linux.
0: So you know, and, those and I don't problem. care what anybody says, all machines have vulnerabilities. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you know, the 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 fanboys that want to say, oh well, you know, Apple, their their operating system, their environment is better than Windows. There are arguments for that, but it's not, you can't just install OS 10 and then all your problems go away. <laughs> um, and, and Linux is the same way. Um, yes, I, I, I have said for years that Linux it has two main benefits. One is it's based upon Unix, which came from a completely different... Uh, way of doing things from a computer standpoint than Windows and it's been around since uh, I want to say 73 I think it's uh, when the first production Unix came into play I think that was Bell Labs and, and System 5 I could be wrong about that I think it's 73 but either way sometime in the 70s um, Linux came around in the, in the early 90s and was yep. kind of based on that same it, w- it was intended to be a, a, a free version of Unix Mm -hmm. Um, but just because it's been around since the 70s and just because it has all those things doesn't mean it's totally secure. There are vulnerabilities that come out. Now because of some of the ways it functions, it, it doesn't have the same type of vulnerabilities as Windows but it does have vulnerabilities but it does have that history I think is an advantage to it. The second advantage I have is a terminology I know Adam is very familiar with security by obscurity. Yeah. <laughs> There's not enough Linux machines out there that someone that's targeting end users uh, with malware, phishing attempts, all that kind of stuff,
2: Right. they're going to
0: spend any time trying to break into a Linux box when I can spend five minutes and break into 50 million Windows boxes.
2: Right. Where uh, you do so- see that, though, is when you see worms going after things like web servers, Correct. Because Linux does make up, in, in addition to being the um, majority of uh, mobile phones these days, uh, because of Android phones, uh, it's also I'm pretty sure it's. I don't know now. Uh, I know GoDaddy and Microsoft did some backdoor deals some time ago that uh, boosted IIS or you know the Windows web servers numbers. But even if it's not a majority, there are still Many, 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 many millions of, of uh, servers running Linux out on Absolutely. the
0: Internet. You know, it's the plumbing. It's the backbone of the Internet. Absolutely. So, but more often than not, it's the software running on the Linux servers mm-hmm. that has the vulnerability than True. Linux itself.
2: The Apache um, web server right. or, well, <laughs> Sendmail if you're still running that.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, Tomcat, Uh, Or or worse yet, maybe the Linux install is fine, and the Apache is fine, and the CGI, which is the interface that Apache uses to run external code, Mm -hmm. all of those things are fine, but the web developer that built the website, Uh their code that's running on top of CGI, on top of Apache, on top of Linux, is the vulnerability.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, you're making the security thing sound hard. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, no no it's, it's real simple it's a, it's a big red button type of situation <laughs> just, just,
2: just push the button that says secure and everything's right. good
0: yeah. oh, it's cool. just a switch on the wall uh, but turn. no it's, um, being a software developer is that has become the biggest um, thing you have to worry about um, when I first started I started writing code I want to say professionally I actually started writing code when I was in the 8th grade for money um, and back in those days, um, you know, that would have been uh, 84. Uh, back in those days, the only people connected to the Internet were major universities and the Defense Department. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have this everybody's connected to everybody else situation. The, the application ran on one computer sitting on your desk, and that's the only thing it did. And it only ran under one user instance you didn't have a situation where you could have multiple users logged into a machine. Um, So, you know, writing software was okay. You know, do step one, do step two, do step three. When you're done, tell the user you're done. Um, Nowadays, it's a, I have to be, I have to be aware and I have to be cognizant of every single line. I write (laughs) could be exploited by somebody trying to do something nefarious. Mm -hmm. And used to, you know, people would say, oh, I I had to make my application idiot proof. Well, idiot proof was I had to make sure the user didn't mess it it up. (laughs) Um, Nowadays, it's not the user you got to worry about. It's all the other people that aren't users that are banging away at it.
2: You got to make it hacker proof, man.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, and I don't care how vigilant you are. It's never hacker proof.
1: Mm-hmm. might be hacker
0: resistant, but it's not hacker proof.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, I've got links pulled up to download Ubuntu and Mint and I'm going to get another laptop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so 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 as we wind down here, uh, let let's say somebody is curious and they they they've made it all the way. If if they've made it this far, they've they're either already running Linux or they're curious about it. So, or a
1: masochist.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's that. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, That's all. Well, we that. all have our
2: our <laughs> Yes. So, if somebody wanted to get started with uh, Linux or you know Ubuntu or any other Linux uh, in general, what should they do? What what can they do to help ensure they have a successful experience?
0: Well the easiest thing to do is to download the uh, the C D or DVD image file of whatever flavor you're wanting to do. Let's let's assume it's Ubuntu. Go to Ubuntu.com, download they have download links for desktop server. Obviously you'd want a desktop. Download the, the desktop and if you you'll have to know how to create a dvd or cd it's an it's an iso file that you'll download that is an image file of an install cd or dvd if you don't have a an optical drive you'll have to install it onto a usb drive there are instructions on how to do that i don't know if adam wants to link to that in the show notes or what but um let's assume you get past that point and you actually have an either an install disk or an install usb drive the one of the beautiful things that ubuntu did Um, when they first started coming around was their install procedure is actually a full blown version of the operating system that's running that then installs to your hard drive. And when it comes up it asks you, do you want to install Ubuntu or do you want to try Ubuntu? You can actually run the full blown Ubuntu operating system from that DVD or USB drive without changing anything on your computer. So you can install it, run it, play with it, do everything, make sure your printer works, you know, uh, make sure you can get connected to your cable modem, all the things that you do with your computer, and make sure that that works. If you try that and everything blows up in your face, then you kind of have to back up and punt. But the beauty is when you reboot your computer, you take out that disk or that USB drive, it goes right back to the way it was before you started all this. So... The ability to the uh, the ability to run that operating system without changing anything on your computer is a wonderful option. Um, looks like I just got a message from Peter say, mentioning Wubi. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Wubi option has been deprecated.
2: Uh, it was still on the um, image that I just downloaded yesterday. Really?
0: Okay. Yeah. Wubi is the Ubuntu. Ubuntu Created a piece of software called Wubi, which allows Ubuntu to run inside of of um, Windows quasi natively. What happens is you you wind up you have your Windows installation, you install Wubi, it installs Ubuntu, you get an icon on your desk, you click that icon, your machine reboots, and you're running you're running um, Ubuntu. It, it basically installs into what is a virtual hard drive similar to the way that parallels or virtualbox runs um, but doesn't run inside of Windows it's just a uh, a dual boot type of situation um, and that's not a bad way to go either and if you you, you know you can play with it decide you want to run it um, you can continue running that way forever if you don't want it anymore you literally can go into Windows and uninstall Wubi, and it uninstalls the entire uh, Ubuntu installation Right. It's basically, it's an installer
2: for Windows. So right. it's, a, it's a Windows program. If you're running Windows now, you run Windows, it runs the setup program. And then the next time you reboot, you can either boot back into Windows or you can boot into Ubuntu. So it's, it's pretty handy. It it's, is. Uh, I don't
0: know, Does and when I mentioned that it had been deprecated, yeah. when Windows changed their boot manager. Like the UEFI support and stuff. Yeah, and I think well, not just UEFI, but the actual Windows bootloader. Yep. Um, the, the when they changed the way that you know initially the old version used a, an any file for for managing your your operating system boot selection and they changed the way that works. I think that when they made that change, it broke Wooby. They may yep. have they may have updated Wooby to work with the new bootloader. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried it on Windows 10.
2: Um, yeah, it, it does look like it hasn't been updated for a while. Um, it does look a little bit old, but there there are some recent bug reports, but I don't okay. see a lot of new uh, releases on Wubi. Uh, I know
0: it worked in Windows XP. I don't yeah. know that I... I had already converted over to Ubuntu uh, full-time before Windows 7 came out, yeah. so yeah. I can't say that I ever tried Wubi after XP. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I can't speak intelligently to lead to that so that
2: might have been a bit of a red herring so mileage may vary with that one but another <laughs> one then uh, another really easy way uh if you don't have a, a dvd burner but you have a decent uh, usb thumb drive uh i'm a big fan of the tool called unet booting absolutely And that's pretty slick. Uh, There are Macintosh versions, Linux versions, and Windows versions uh, available. I've never gotten the Macintosh version to actually work. Uh, (laughs) But I use the Windows version all the time. And essentially, it's a small, nifty little utility. You download this. You run it. It asks you, what... Linux distribution do you want and you get to choose from all the popular ones and then it says okay which version because you know like say you choose Ubuntu you can then say I want version 16.04 or 14.04 or 15.10 or whatever and then it says okay what uh, drive do you want to burn this image to and you say you know drive e which is my usb thumb drive that i just put in and it says okay and it wipes out everything on that thumb drive it puts makes it a bootable linux installer you pop that drive out pop it into the computer that you want to and you boot off the usb drive and boom you're either running
0: or installing ubuntu it's pretty handy absolutely and in fact on most modern machines the optical drives are kind of going by the wayside that's probably the better way of doing it plus Uh, most USB thumb drives are going to be faster than an optical drive. Yep. So you're going to get much better performance out of that.
2: Yep, for sure.
1: Well, all right. I don't think we have any more to cover. (laughs) Well, we could talk another hour, but... (laughs) (laughs) Then we would lose the last two people who are still listening to us. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Although you know, to be fair, I think this is kind of be kind of funny. I'm definitely going to ping this out to um, to all my old friends in the Ubuntu community. They may get a kick out of this and may feel like the podcast that we were recording like you know <laughs> eight years ago.
1: Well, that's what I say, memory lane for you there.
2: <laughs> that is. Oh, is this? This reminds me of so many different episodes. It was <laughs> great.
1: Well, all right. Well, um, I don't think we have anything else to cover. Ken, we do appreciate you coming and joining us today and sharing. Oh, it's
0: been my pleasure.
1: And and as always, if it, if you got feedback, uh, you stuck through all the way to the end, you can leave us feedback on the blog at uh, BlurringTheLinesPodcast.com. dot uh, We'd we'd love to hear from you. And, uh, and and I feel absolutely comfortable taking all the blame for all of
0: your fans <laughs> saying, "Don't ever do that again." <laughs> I um, do like to have somebody to blame. So that, that's handy. the first time you have a guest and you lose all your all your listeners, so I, I will take the internet troll
1: uh, hatred. Yeah, excellent. Well, we right. thank you for that. Yeah. Thanks. You've got big shoulders, and we're going to load them up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks
0: again. Not a problem. Thank you.